Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, how are you all doing? You good? Excellent, excellent, excellent. I just came from the West campus and had a great time there. And uh, I'm going to share with you what I shared with them. And in order to do that, uh, I'm just going to let you know that the series that uh, Dan, uh, our illustrious youth and young adults, pastor started last week and he did a brilliant job, mind you. Come on, let's put our hands together for Dan's ministry, a message last week uh, entitled I'm In. We're going to continue that, but I do want to put it on hold today just to address what is taking place in our city, nation and world right now and some of the things that we are seeing and hearing about the coronavirus. And what I, what I aim to do, yes, this is brought to you today by Sorbent, um, but what I aim to do is hopefully bring some peace, joy and perspective around the craziness that is taking place. Now, I just want to say this. I'm not against precautions. I'm not against, uh, you know, uh, a heeding advice. You know, I'm not here to be ignorant of, of some of the realities, the harsh realities of what is taking place, particularly around this particular virus. But uh, I do want to address some of the nonsense and some of the uh, craziness associated with it. Because I don't know about you, but uh, when I see people running out to the shopping centre to buy not only one pack of these, but to buy truckloads of these is ridiculous. And when you have a woman who has a shopping trolley full of toilet paper and then wrestles an older lady for the one that she has, it's, we've, we've lost our minds. That is not normal. It is not normal. It is not normal humanity, let alone Christianity, to do this. But my, my, my danger, the danger is, and, and, and my concern is that uh, it's creeping into the church and we don't want to be seen to be carrying on in such a way. Can I get an amen this morning? I mean, this is not being driven by common sense. You know what they say about common sense? It's not that common. But this buying up of toilet paper, of all things, based upon the very nature of the virus, uh, this ain't even going to help you. You know, so it's not even going to help you. And I also know this, you know what? If there's something you can live without in this world, if there's something you can live, it's toilet paper. That's why God gave us a left hand. That's what I'm saying. If you go to many nations, uh, you don't, you just, you grab the right hand and that's all I'm saying. But, but you know, we, we have baths and we have, we have showers. I mean, seriously, you will survive without toilet paper. I mean, if people were taking food, you know what, I would say again, that's excessive, but at least there would be common sense attached to that because we do need food to live. But toilet paper? I don't even get it. I don't even get it. Uh, and trouble is, the innocent ones like us, and maybe some of you here, the innocent ones who actually are, are running low on our supply of toilet paper, and we just want to have a, we just want to have a roll or two. That's all we want, you know? We've got needs, and we just want a roll or two. And my poor wife went to the shop yesterday just to buy, you know, a roll of toilet paper, basically, and, and they're just selling them in these bulk packs, which we've never bought before. And um, so, so Kath grabs one, and she's walking around the shopping centre. Yeah. I was a few feet back. I just wasn't. You know. 
And Kath felt the judgment of people. And, and I mean, so it is, is it not crazy? Can I get an amen? I mean, it's just, hang on, advertising. Got to, got to, just, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's not being brought on by precaution. It's not happening because of common sense. So the question remains, what is driving this craziness? What is driving this nonsense? Now, there might be a few uh, conspiracy theorists out there and come up with your own notion. But at the core of it, at the very core of it, it's being driven by something that I want to address today. And that's fear. It's fear. And so today I want to share a one-off message and interrupt our series and speak to you about a message I've entitled Fearless. Everyone say fearless. fearless. And the cat's crying and he says, it's about being the best of me in the worst of times. I believe this is what the Bible says when we are to be salt and light. We have an opportunity to be salt and light. What would salt and light look like for us in 2020 for here in Victory Church? Well, I'll tell you what it wouldn't look like is when we run to the mall and grab as many toilet paper rolls as we can and kick little old ladies out the way. That's not being salt and light. That's being like so many others. We need to act differently and speak differently. And in these crazy times, we have an incredible opportunity to be able to do that like never before. This is something we can actually, if we're wise, capitalise upon. But we'll never capitalise upon the situations and circumstances that we face if we're afraid as everyone else. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the payoff and the result of following Jesus. You know, if you said to me, what's in it for me? Well, there's something there is in it for us. But let me just highlight three things that it's not for you. Okay, it's not about, number one, it's not about being a better person. We don't follow Jesus to make us a better person, although it will make you a better person. In actual fact, some of the best people I know are born again, spirit-filled Christians and, I, and I'm glad to associate with them. But, but that's not the payoff. Jesus didn't say, follow me and you'll be a better person. You know, the, the payoff is not about going to heaven. And I'm glad that we get to go to heaven. I'm glad that my security is based in my eternity. I'm so grateful for that. But while we're here on planet Earth, we don't want to sit around just waiting to die. That's not the payoff. What's the payoff of following Jesus? Oh, we get to go to heaven. That's great. And it is true. And I'm grateful for eternal life. But Jesus promises an abundant life right here, right now. And so I don't want to sit around waiting to die. You know, I do believe in life after death, but I also believe in life Before death. Life with a capital L, an abundant life before death. Who believes in life before death? Come on, church. I believe in life after death. Amen. But I believe in life before death. I believe in the pie in the sky when you die, but I believe in the steak on the plate while you're awake. Come on. I I, I believe in this truth that there's something for us in the here and now. So it's not about making you a better person. It's not about going to heaven. And it's not about living a pain-free, problem-free life. I think too many Christians give life to Jesus hoping that He'll take all my pain away. In actual fact, when you follow Jesus, according to what He said, sometimes our pain is going to increase because if if we're following the ways of Jesus, we're going to love more. And when you love more, there's more pain because you feel the pain of people that you love. And so it's not about a pain-free, problem-free existence. Jesus came to make something in our life so real and so tangible. So what is the payoff? Well, I believe when we discover the payoff, we're going to see it everywhere in Scripture. So I want us to read very quickly in the book of Matthew, 
chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus that followed Jesus for that three and a half year period. And he heard and saw all the incredible things that Jesus was doing and saying. He was coming towards the end of his life. So he writes down the things that he saw and the things that he heard Jesus say. And this is what we are reading here today. In the lead up to this portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, we see Jesus speaking to the 12, speaking to the inner circle. And He gave them a list of things to do, a list of things not to do. And then we pick up the story here in verse 16. And it says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So up to this moment, they're having a great time with Jesus. They're getting all this instruction. And then Jesus starts entering into a conversation that they were not expecting. I'm sending you out like sheep, uh, sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and you'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Hi, Dad. Love you. <laughs> Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Love you, kids. <laughs> You'll be hated by everyone because of me. See, the promise is not popularity. The promise is not fame. The promise is not fortune. Jesus was very clear with this group of men and women that He was speaking to, this inner circle, about what they're about to face. And He said, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be flogged. And this flogging led to the death of many people. And at bare minimum, this flogging was going to leave a mark on your body. You would have a permanent mark on your body, a permanent record on your body all the days of your life. And Jesus was saying, in light of all this, here's the reward, here's the payoff. The reward is that in following Jesus, you can become fearless. You can become fearless. He said, when they arrest you, not if. When they arrest you, not if. He says, do not worry about what you'll say. Now, I love to place myself in the story whenever I read the Scriptures. And so I think to myself, what would I be thinking? What would I be saying? What would I be doing if I was one of the disciples at that moment? And when Jesus is saying, you know, when they arrest you, don't worry about what you'll say. I, I, I'm like, this is me. I would be putting my hand up. I'd be saying, Jesus, Mr. Jesus, sir, Jesus, got a question. Um, you said, don't worry about what you say. I'm not worried about what I'll say. The bit I'm worried about is the first bit. Can we just back up? You said we'd be arrested. I want what? <laughs> I mean, do, do, do any of you think like me? And, and when you think, hang on, I'm going to be what? Hang on, can we just go back? I'm not even, I'm not even thinking what I'm going to say. I just can't get over the first bit that I'm going to be arrested. And Jesus said, yeah, you'll be arrested, but don't worry about what you say, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And not only the words, but He'll give you the way in which you should say it. He'll add the how to help you in those moments. And herein lies the problem. 
I don't know that if we're honest with ourselves, can, can we get honest this morning? Can we do that? Are we Christians? Can we, do, can we get honest? If we're honest, we, we say we love God, we love the Holy Spirit. But I think if we're honest, we don't want the Holy Spirit helping us what to say when we're arrested. If we're honest, we actually don't want to be arrested in the first place. And I think if we're honest, we would prefer a life without the Holy Spirit and no problems. And herein lies the problems. Jesus wants to do life with us. See, we want freedom, but God doesn't want us to be free. He wants us to be fearless. And how will you ever know if you're fearless unless you face problems in life? Now, here's the good news, church. For the most of us in this room today, we will not have to face what the early church had to face. Having said that, there are many people in the world today that do have to face what the early church faced. They are martyred for their faith. They are arrested. They are flogged in 2020. But here in 2020 in Adelaide, this probably will not happen to you, so relax. Things may change and escalate, who knows? But generally speaking, the trajectory we're on, it's not going to happen to you anytime soon. But let's not distance ourselves from the story right now because we all face worries. Whatever it is, they are a worry to us. And if it's a worry to us, it's a worry to God. And God wants to meet us in our worry. He wants to meet us in our anxiety Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but that's not a rebuke if you're feeling anxious. It's him recognising that we are anxious and then he's giving us ways to deal with our anxiety. And so if you're feeling anxious today and if you're feeling worried today, welcome to church. That's why we are here for worried, anxious people. But we don't want to leave you in your worry. We don't want to leave you in your anxiety. God has ways to help us through through those things. Sometimes He delivers us out of things. Other times He takes us through them. In actual fact, more often than not, He takes us through them because that's how we grow. It's the struggle the caterpillar has in the cocoon that gives him the strength to become the butterfly. And so there's things that we're going to face in order to become a better version of ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Who wants to become a better version of themselves? Well, if we want to become a better version of ourselves, God's going to allow us to be in situations where we find ourselves worried, anxious. We feel like we're sinking, drowning. And in those moments, He's going to be there to help us because He wants us to be fearless, not just free. Because if we get fearless, we find freedom. Does that make sense this morning? Fantastic. So the goal of following Jesus is to get us to a place where we're just not afraid. Going to be arrested? Don't be afraid. Going to be flogged? Don't be afraid. Going to be accused? Abused? Betrayed? Someone's going to post something on social media that's not very nice about you? Don't be afraid. You live in a dispensation where there's coronavirus. Don't be afraid. If Jesus was here in bodily form, I, I think he'd be saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For he's with us. It goes on to say in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more, more 
so much more, more than many, many, many sparrows. See, I believe what Jesus is trying to do in my life right now, as I get this incredible privilege to be alive in 2020, is the same thing he's trying to do in your life. And he's trying to get my life and my eyes off the circumstances and onto him. Jesus is trying to get me to a place where my eyes are more on him than our circumstances. And so instead of running to the shops to get more toilet paper, maybe we should be opening our Bibles and getting more of Jesus. Again, with all due respect to proper precautions, but seriously, I believe these things happen in order for God to get us a place where we rely more on Him than other things. Where our faith is so big and so strong, where we're so secure in the Father's love that it overshadows our fears. It doesn't mean we won't have fears. It doesn't mean worry won't come. It means it gets overshadowed by the bigness of God. The Bible says, let us magnify the Lord. Do you know what a magnifying glass does? It actually makes an object appear bigger. Notice I use the word appear bigger. It doesn't actually make it bigger. I think back to my school days, because I don't think I've used a magnifying glass since my school days, but we'd grab a microphone glass, you'd look through it, and whatever you're looking at became bigger. But when you took the magnifying glass away, it was still the same size. But it made it appear bigger. And whatever you looked through became bigger. And the psalmist wrote, let us magnify the Lord. In other words, let's turn our attention on Him because whatever you turn your attention on becomes bigger to you. The magnifying glass doesn't actually make it bigger, but it makes it bigger to you. We can't make God bigger. God is big. We can't make Him any bigger than He already is, but He can become bigger to us. And as we focus on Him and we magnify Him, He doesn't get any bigger, but He does get bigger to us. Every time I read the Bible, God gets bigger to me. As He reveals more about His character, His nature and His beauty to me, He gets bigger to me. And if that is true, and it is, likewise, if you focus on the negatives, that's going to get bigger. That's going to get bigger. And that's why in a room full of this size, uh, this many people, you say, how's victory going? Depends on who you ask. Depends on where they're looking. It depends on what they're looking at. Depends on who they're looking at. And it depends on what you're focusing on. How's your marriage? It depends on what you're focusing on. You can have a great marriage, but if you're just focusing on the negative, uh, negative part about your partner, then it could be a bad marriage. But it could actually be a good marriage, but you're just focusing on the wrong things. And so what we focus on becomes bigger in our lives. And Jesus knew this to be true. And so in order to uh, increase and grow their faith, that they might become more fearless, He took them through a few tests to grow their faith. And I want to read one of those accounts in the book of Mark, chapter 4, where Jesus was with the disciples in a boat, wanting to go from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. And we see that Jesus, if I can just have, is there a scripture up on here? It says this in Mark chapter 4, That day when evening came, He said 
to His disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There was also other boats with Him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke Him and said to Him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Be quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to His disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Who's read that account before? I've read it many, many times. And it always brings a challenge because I know that in that story, in that moment in time, I'm one of the disciples. Let's not think for a moment that we'd be Jesus just sleeping away. This message today is something that we need to grow in. And the way we grow in things is to have tests. And so Jesus was testing them. He said, we're going to the other side. They were meant to put faith in His Word at that moment. They should have been as rested as He was because of His Word. And so should you and I, but that's not always the case, is it? So let's spare a thought for the disciples. And this storm starts. Now, this is, not a, this is not a cruise ship. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship. I know cruises are really popular uh, these days, but I went on one back in the day and, and they're fun, but I've been there when it's really rough. And when it gets rough, it's, it's, it's not very nice and it's pretty scary when you're on a cruise ship. When you're on a little itty bitty boat, you think you're going to die. I can only imagine. I thought I was going to die on the cruise ship, let alone this little itty bitty boat. And you imagine these disciples, they're freaking out. And they look at Jesus and they wake Him and they say this, Teacher, don't you care? Now, there's not a person on the planet who's ever cared more than Jesus and yet the disciples accuse Him of not caring. If you've ever been falsely accused, know that Jesus was falsely accused before you. No one has cared more than Jesus and yet He got accused of not caring. That tells me something. It tells me that our version of care may not be God's version of care. And Jesus stands up. He rebukes the wind, He rebukes the waves, He rebukes the storm and now they've got a dilemma. They were terrified before, now they're really terrified. And they said this, who is this? And that's exactly where Jesus wanted them. Where we get to the place where we say, who is this? I thought I knew Jesus. Today, I, I trust and pray that you came and you leave that, man, I thought I knew Jesus, but wow, He's just become more alive, more real. He's become bigger to me as a result of meeting together, reading my Bible, praying together. And Jesus asked them a question. He says, why are you lack of faith? Why, why are you lack of faith? And the disciples had a question, why the storm? Now again, you may never ever find yourself in a storm in a boat like the disciples did. But we all face storms, whatever they look like. And more often than not, we find ourselves saying, why are you letting this happen, God? That's what the disciples are saying. Why? Why did this have to happen? Why this way? And Jesus says, why are you like a face? He answers a question with a question. 
We face some crazy things as a church. I face some crazy things as a family. And I face some crazy things as an individual. And you have too. And often we find ourselves saying, why did this happen? And Jesus wants us to get his faith. Hang on, why the lack of faith? Why the lack of faith? Because what happened in that moment is, while they were terrified of the storm, they were more afraid of Jesus because he was more powerful than the storm. And the storm almost killed them. What's Jesus going to do to them? And he loves on them. He loves on them. But their eyes right now are well and truly fixed on him, which is exactly where Jesus wants us to fix our eyes, on him. I've told this story a few times before, but it's worthy of repeating because we grew up on Carroll Drive. And on Carroll Drive, when I was a kid growing up, we had a bully. His name was Peter. I'll leave his last name out, but his name was Peter. And I'll never forget, I was in the front yard of our home with my dad and we were just laughing, joking, talking. And my brother, my older brother, Peter, came running in, afraid, scared and crying. And he goes, what's the matter? Oh, Peter hit me or whatever he did. And this is my dad's, this is the voice of the father speaking. Dad said, I want you to go back to him and I want you to punch him fair and square on the nose. <laughs> and... Uh, and, 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 and Pete, my brother, turned around with a newfound confidence in the father's voice and went back to the bully and punched him in the nose. And what took place is he was no longer the bully. We had a new bully, my brother. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm not advocating violence. I'm not advocating going around punching people in the head. Or maybe I am, I'm not sure. I don't think I am. But I do believe you've got to stand up to the bully. You've got to stand up to the bullies in your life. You've got to make a stand. And what I know about my brother at that moment, while he was afraid of the bully, he was more afraid of not doing what Dad said than actually the bully. And so that's where God wants to get, you know what? Yes, I'm terrified to do what I'm being asked to do. But you know what? I'm more terrified of not doing what God's asked me to do. And we find ourselves doing things. Why? Because our focus is on Him and not on the bully, not on the problems, not on the storms, not on the coronavirus, not on all these things that are taking place. So why is this the promise? Why? Three things very quickly. Number one, because it honours God and His Word. It honours God and His Word. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. That was His Word. And if the disciples had peace because of what Jesus said, that would have said how much they honoured what Jesus said. The trouble is they just forgot what Jesus said because of the storm. Let's not forget what Jesus said in His Word because of a storm, because of a virus, because of what it is that we are facing today. Let's keep our eyes on Him. When we trust Him, it proves that He can be trusted and it proves that His Word can be trusted. I was told this morning uh, that uh, Luke was going to take me down to West. Luke said he'll take me down to West. And because Luke said it, I just believed him. And you know, that moment was more about Luke's word than my faith in Luke. It was more about his trustability. It was more about his reliance. You know, some people say, oh, I'll see you at church tomorrow. <laughs> you won't be there. I'll pick you up for work tomorrow. Yeah, he won't. And when we, when we say, because God has said, we don't go around thinking we're mighty men of faith. It's not about our faith. It's more about His Word. It's more about He can be trusted. 
than my faith. And when we, when we live a fearless life, it honours God. Secondly, it frees us to love people. It frees us to love people. The Bible says a perfect love casts out all fear. And what I know about this world is while we face a lot of pains, probably the biggest pain we'll all face is people pain. People can hurt. I've said it many times before. They're beautiful, but they're brutal. They are brutal. People are brutal. And they can hurt. And I believe one of the reasons why we stop going to church, one of the reasons why we stop being married, one of the reasons why we stop investing in people, one of the reasons we stop doing these things is because we're afraid of being hurt again. We're afraid of being let down. And you can't live the Christian life if you're afraid of being let down because you know what? You will be let down again. Just because you dust yourself off and get up again, there's no guarantee that you won't be let down again. In actual fact, I prophesy you will. The question is, let's do it anyway. But I can't. Yeah, because we're afraid. And God wants to deal with the fear in our lives. See, more often than not, we're dealing with the fruit. The fruit is, he said this and she said this. And that hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's get to the root issue. Some of you used to serve in a connect group. Some of you used to just serve in the cafe. Some of you used to just serve, but you don't anymore. And we said, oh, it's because of this and it's because of that. But you know what? Deep down, you're just afraid of being let down because, you know, you was out there, you was in the heat and, and someone shouted at you and they didn't appreciate you. And now we're just afraid to do that again. I'm, I'm not going to put myself out there again. I'm saying, you know what? If we can get this message into us and live a fearless life, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Because our eyes not on the person who abused us. Our eyes are on Jesus. Our eyes are on him. So when we live a fearless life, it honours God and his word. It frees us to love people. And as the band come up, number three, it forces us to rely on him. It forces us to rely on him. I, I realise this message today. We've had a few laughs. But I realise it's really, really hard to put into practice. And I cannot share this message without empathising with you just how hard this message is to put into practice. And do you really know why I know it's hard? It's because... I have to live it first. And I'm going to actually add, it's not only hard, I would say it's actually impossible. To actually put into practice what I'm talking about this morning actually borders on impossible. Enter the Holy Spirit. You see, I realise while many of us will probably not be flogged and arrested, and we may not be in a little boat somewhere fighting for our lives in the midst of a storm, we do have very real issues. And I know some of your very real issues. And it's not being flogged and it's not being arrested, but it's, it's as real to you as what that was to the disciples. I know some of the news this week that Nay and Luke and her family have received. And my heart breaks for not only their situation, but for many, many others and some of the things you're dealing with. In actual fact, I think what Nay has done this morning is probably my best example of everything I'm trying to say. It's standing up here, ministering again. Fixing our eyes on Jesus again. When there's stuff going on that hasn't been resolved or healed. Can God heal? Absolutely. Does he have to? Not at all.
And we can't grasp this. We can't do this without what Jesus promised. And that is the help of the Father's Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is going to help you to put this message into practice. See, my heritage is Pentecostal, which means I grew up in a tongue-speaking, prayer-line, fall-over, shake, rattle and roll environment. And I'm grateful for my Pentecostal heritage. I'm grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit that enables me to speak in tongues. I'm grateful for that. But even as a young kid, long before I ever started this church, long before I ever went into ministry, I used to watch same people go down the front, same people fall over, same people roll around and get up the same. Still cynical, still bitter, still hurting, still fearful, still worried. That's not the Holy Spirit I read of in the Bible. And it's not the Holy Spirit I've experienced firsthand. Am I against those things? Not at all. Have I experienced those things for me firsthand, personally? Yes. But if through prayer, the presence of God overwhelms you to the point where you can't stand, fantastic. But can we say, get up changed? Because God is not into theatre, He's into transformation. And I believe the Holy Spirit is present here today to empower you to face your darkest, toughest days. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 